0: good evening great to see you if i haven't met you yet pastor anthony and um it's been interesting i have heard and pastor danner have too how many people are enjoying the seven deadly sins series it's kind of weird but it's good i've actually really enjoyed uh preaching through it's it been fun looking at from historical uh points of view but tonight uh to begin i want to read some um some statistics for us There are 300,000 items in the average American home. The average size of the American home has nearly tripled in size over the past 50 years. And still one out of every 10 Americans rent off-site storage. The fastest growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades While 25% of people with two-car garages don't have room to park cars inside of them, and 32% only have room for one vehicle, the United States has upward of 50,000 storage facilities, more than five times the number of Starbucks. Currently, there is 7.3 square feet of self-storage space for every man, woman, and child in our country, Thus, it is physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under the total canopy of self-storage roofing. British research found that the average 10-year-old owns 238 toys but plays with just 12 daily, or if you're my son, just the one box that the Amazon gift came in. And 3.1% of the world's children live in America, but they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. And this last one, I'm sorry if it offends you ladies, the average American woman owns 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. In 1930, that figure was nine. Those statistics come from a blog called Becoming Minimalist. Uh, Anyone familiar with the minimalist movement? Yes, we got one. Uh, Well, let me explain. Uh, Minimalism is kind of a movement that is where people are sick of being owned by their things and they strategically... Uh, minimize their life with the possessions they own the things they do they strip a lot of stuff away and the reason they do that is not just to have less stuff but to actually be freed from this need this compulsion to have more stuff and um, it's interesting some of the kind of not the founders but the people who have written about this a lot and kind of gained popularity through it were um, they're followers of jesus they're disciples of jesus and they, they root it off of his teachings but this evening, I'm not here to give you a TED Talk on minimalism and, and the three easy steps to clear out your garage. Just throw it all away. Just throw it away. You're not even going to care. Just throw it away. But to really dive into the scriptures, a story that Jesus tells, to help us rethink, recalibrate our, our relationship to our stuff, to our possessions. And before we dive in, I have to be honest that um, tonight we're looking at greed. If you've been following along, we're looking at greed. And um, for me, Pastor Danner uh, voluntarily shared that his the sin he struggles with most is envy. And for me, it's greed. It's, I, I like stuff. I grew up not in a poor household, but definitely I grew up in an affluent area, but we weren't on the affluent side. And I saw lots of stuff that my friends had, and I kind of have this weird relationship with possessions and money now. And, and I enjoy nice things, not extravagant things, but I like having a nice home. I enjoy having nice clothes. I like collecting guitars and collecting tattoos and, and those things. And as I read through the Gospels over and over, Jesus has so much to say about wealth and the trappings of it and i read it and i often try to find ways to get around it and like oh he's not really talking about me and trying to make it more palatable and in, in my research on this sermon even like the early church up to the point where it became legalized like poverty is what a christian was for the most part like to consume and have lots of stuff and be a follower of jesus really didn't go hand in hand not until the church got a lot of power and money behind it then we kind of found ways like oh maybe church and capitalism can work together and and the reality is we we live in a society that this is the world we live in so i'm not just going to tell you sell all your stuff and get over it but i just want to be honest that this is something i wrestle through daily weekly and i'm much a practitioner in this with you so with that said let's pray god i thank you that you have given us the scriptures and um Holy Spirit, as we hear from the scriptures, I pray that you open our hearts and minds, our imaginations, as we rethink our relationship to material items. Come Holy Spirit. The story um, of, that we just read from Luke, it opens with the man asking a question. But before that, it's important to, to see the context. There, there were thousands of people gathered and Jesus right before this passage he had started basically telling stories and warning those who are gonna follow me you're going to be persecuted like it's going to happen life is not gonna be super easy if you pledge your allegiance to me heavy stuff and in the story we see a man raises his hand and Jesus is like oh yes young man what do you think hey Jesus tell my brother to give me my stuff back he misses the point of what's happening completely. And Jesus does not actually answer the question. He's like, I'm not in charge of your stuff. You figure it out. And we can sit here and laugh at that man because Jesus goes on to tell this parable, this story, to kind of call out what's going on in this man's heart. And I call this guy the bozo in this story. And we like to really just kind of, when we read the stories that Jesus tells, like we put ourselves in the good light. No, we're the bozo. We're the brother saying, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my stuff back. And that's where we find what's happening in this passage that Pastor Martin read from. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and it's important for, for the next couple of minutes as we walk through this passage that we continually start try to bring our mind back to align with the bozo in the story. And Jesus says, uh, He says, "Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed." life does not consist in an abundance of possessions how he opens it up greed can be defined as an obsession to hoard all things for oneself blocking out any thought for god or for one's neighbor but back to jesus's warning he says watch out He is warning this man. He is warning the crowds. He is warning us this evening. Watch out for all kinds of greed. Do we actually believe these words? As we're scrolling through social media, ooh, ad, buy, Amazon, what? It's not going to be here today? Next, junk mail. Anyone ever like check your junk email and next thing you know, you're buying something? While we're walking through Target, wherever it is, you're not like, oh, watch yourself. You're like, ooh, sale, buy three, get one free. Awesome. I don't even need this thing, right? We live in this world where greed is just kind of the air we breathe. It is all around us. And Jesus says, watch yourself. Are our are, are we held captive to our desires to hoard and get more things for ourselves? Are we aware of the greed that lives inside of us? It's easy to think that other people are greedy. You might be thinking, oh, so-and-so next to me has a nicer car and a bigger house. I'm They're the greedy ones, right? When I think of greed, I often think of this guy right here, Uncle Scrooge, right? Where he, like, for fun, he counts his money. <laughs> he just counts it, and it's his entertainment. We just watched the Christmas special with was sore in this uh, I mean, we watched it he ran around the house doing something else and like uncle scrooge is awful he's a terrible horrible duck that no one wants to be around and his heart is just consumed by greed and more and more and more and it's so easy for us to think that other people are greedy not us but jesus warns the crowd and he warns us this evening watch yourself be free the trappings of greed in the story jesus then he goes in and he tells this parable this story of of a rich man who that year had a really good crop that was their source of income in that in that society and such a good such a huge harvest that he says you know what self i had a good year so much so i need to tear down my storehouses and build new ones so i can just keep all of all of my wealth all of my riches and then he goes on to say so you have ample goods laid up for many years relax eat drink be merry let's be honest as americans living where we live we probably look at this story and go he's living the american dream there's nothing in the story that shows that he was immoral or illegal or he did anything illegal to get his wealth. He probably worked hard. I mean, how many of a soul have ample goods, you have the ample goods laid up and for many years, time to move to Florida, get a couple pina coladas, play golf every day, live the dream, right? We look at this and this, we, we kind of think this is okay. But Jesus actually in the story, What is this man called? Fool. A fool. Now, in the scriptures, fool isn't used too often. And when it does, it should get our attention, especially in the Old Testament. When someone is called a fool, it is actually they're foolish. They're a fool because they don't believe in God. It's like this is not a good thing to be called a fool. He's called a fool. But why is he called a fool in this parable? First, God calls this man a fool is because he had failed to acknowledge his abundance as a gift from God. He thought he was the one that had done this. The story actually points out that the land of the rich man produced all this wealth. And you can read in the story that this man actually uh, was already rich, so he probably had hired hands or, or or servants that did all of the work. This man probably didn't do anything to actually bring this wealth into being. He failed to acknowledge his abundance as a gift from God. In that short story, he goes. He says, "I eleven times." He is convinced that he is the one that made this happen. And the second reason that he's called a fool is because the man had put his confidence in his possessions. We don't do that, right? We don't put our confidence in our retirement accounts, in our job security, in what college we're going to go to. We don't do that. No, not us man is a fool because he doesn't acknowledge god is the giver of all good gifts and he he has his confidence his hope in his possessions actually he goes on to say that jesus uh, in the story says he gets called out that that um he says his soul is going to be called into account and the soul there, it can be um, translated or kind of have a meaning, that which is someone to give animate life and distinction. This man, he says, my soul, eat, drink, be merry, that this is the thing that gives his soul meaning and purpose in life is his wealth, are his possessions. And then Jesus says, this is what happens to the man, fool. Fool. This night, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? This man finds out he's not going to enjoy South Florida and golf for the rest of his time because his life is going to be called to account that evening. And whose will all of his stuff be? We hear sometimes, he who dies with the most toys wins he who dies with the most toys dies we can't take it with us we all know this but do we actually believe it and then jesus says here's the here's what actually is the antidote to this this greed disease so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich what toward god so what does it mean to be rich toward god that sounds like such a i don't know christianity thing it is a christianity thing one commentator says this to be rich in god is to have the wealth that is found in god this wealth consists of a pardon peace and salvation and union with god and in god signifies faith that individual is rich in god who has the saving gifts which god gives him and holds them with gratitude by faith as his own such a man is truly rich however little he may have of earthly goods nor will earthly possessions interfere with his true wealth since he will treat them as abraham david and others did by making them wholly subservient to god as i've been as i shared at the top of this like working through this you know it's it's hard for me to think through this and and be honest with god because we're kind of hitting now we have a young child Uh, my wife got a job we moved down here it's really the first time in our marriage where we have like dual income and we actually can start saving and planning for soren's future and 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 it's hitting me so hard because am i putting my my faith my hope my security and in the possessions we have or am i putting it in god so what do we do how do we how do i i'm preaching to myself now how do i move beyond this as we move through the seven deadly sins we're pairing them with the beatitudes and this week we're looking at matthew 5 7 where jesus says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy this one at first seems a little odd like what is mercy and greed what do those have to do with one another merciful here is an adjective jesus is describing who his disciples are they are merciful and when they are merciful they shall receive mercy we can tie this to another uh, parable that jesus tells in the gospel accounts of the unforgiving servant where jesus speaks about mercy and in this context mercy is paid to a financial debt that a servant had to a master the debt was so large he would never be able to pay it and, and the master representing God shows mercy to the this, to this servant and, lets, and, and forgives him of his debt. And you would expect that this, mer- that this servant would go and show mercy. He'd be merciful. But he goes to another servant, fellow servant, and says, you owe me money. It's a far smaller amount. and so starts straining. Give me the money. He didn't let the mercy he had been shown form him into a merciful person. And where we live, in our culture, acts of mercy are often tied to our pocketbook. They are. I mean, as you drive around Austin, there's a large homeless population. And my question for us is, I'm painting with wide brushstrokes here. I know this is a nuanced and discerning conversations to have. But if our first response, if we see someone in need on the side of the road is... Do they deserve it? Am I enabling them? Are they just going to put it in their arm? If that's our first go to, I really think we need to call into question our discipleship to Jesus. Are we willing to extend the mercy that we've been shown to others, even when it comes to our possessions? again this is a hard topic for us to think through and 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 be honest about because we can always look at people with more stuff but we're the bozo we're the fool in the story how do we find release how do we get rid of this need for more and more and more how do we grow into a merciful person I know in our own life my wife and i we've we've she's great she's like she doesn't care about money i don't get i'm not like like trying to make a profit out of everything i'm probably making myself sound worse than i am but like but for her it's just kind of like yeah whatever like be generous and give it away buy a gift for people and all that stuff and and um i have found for us over the last 13 plus years of our marriage together there's been times where god has blessed us with Um, extra source of income here or someone would bless us with that and in those moments i find greed creeping up in my soul like ooh, what can we buy now can we put that in savings we do this or that and i start to feel greed just ripping at my heart this grip, and it feels yucky like anyone ever feel that before for years like oh like, I, Jesus, I know this is not what you want, and this sounds way more spiritual than I am, but in those moments, I sense the Holy Spirit saying, no, you need to give, give it away. And for me, often it's a, it's a number pops into my head, and I go, no. Like a good husband, I go to my wife, and she goes, yes. <laughs> and I, and we, we, we've had opportunities. At those moments, someone comes into our life that needs extra help or or uh, organization comes into mind that we're able to bless. That's gospel focused. And I say this not to boast in myself at all. I say this to show how immature I am when it comes to possessions and my discipleship to Jesus. How I try to justify my desire for more, more, more. If you're like me, maybe the best thing to do is to start living a life of generosity. Just give it away. Set yourself free from it. Similar to lust, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Your pocketbook causes you to sin, give it away. So as we end our time together, I, I, I just want to pray over. So I want to lead us through a little bit of a of a prayer exercise. Get comfortable. You're at in the hundred degree sanctuary. I should have not worn long sleeves. <laughs> Take a couple breaths. I invite you to close your eyes if you're comfortable. If you're at home, I invite you to do the same thing. Just place your palms on your, your hands on your lap. And I have palms open. Take a breath in. Out. Holy Spirit, as we wrap up our time together this evening, I, I pray right now lord that we can just bring to mind where the sin of greed has a grip on our heart lord it may not be extravagant we may even lead lead a very uh, modest life compared to other people around us we may not be in debt we may think we're actually generous bring to mind where we put our confidence and our possessions and where we worship the gift rather than you, the gift giver. So I invite you as you're thinking and praying about that to, to close your hands, make a fist, and may this Holy Spirit just signify the things that we hold on to too tightly. And Lord, we, we bring those to you as we slowly open our hands we ask lord that you free us from greed that day by day you form us to be people of mercy the people who act and live and operate from a place of abundance as we pray gives us this day our daily bread we truly believe that you will care for all our daily needs the lord we thank you for jesus that he gave of himself for us so now every good gift we have may we lavishly bless those around us trusting that you will always provide our every need in jesus name amen